Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, flip side. It sure is a beautiful day here in Madera Ranchos, isn't it? Man, we've, we've, uh, we've had a little cold spell. It's like next level cold, Heather. Um, but man, it's beautiful out there today. You know, uh, yesterday I was actually, I ran into, let me see, a mom earlier. Uh, because yesterday there was a bunch of us out. We were all at Stone Creek with these little, yeah, there she is, uh-huh. We were out with these little guys because we were having our evaluations for our little league in Madera Ranchos, Liberty. Uh, Ranchos, Little League or something, I think it's called that. And man, it was cold. It was, it was like drizzling. It was, it, it was really, really cold. I was talking to mom over here, not my mom, someone's mom, kid's mom. And she was like, we were like, like, we've been sick, and we were talking about, the, you know, coaches should cancel. I'm telling you, we wanted to cancel too, but it, we had to get through it. But it was cute. There was something that was really cute. I walked up to this little guy, you know, because we had kids crying on the fence. It was so cold. I walked up to this little guy, and I was like, hey, man, it's, it's cold out here, huh? And that little guy looked at me and said, yeah, man, but at least you got a beard. <laughs> I don't know if I'm... Got to take that as a compliment or offended by that. But anyway, it is a beautiful day here in Madeira. It is such a joy to be here. Uh, Heather shared earlier, uh, Pastor Carl, we have a whole team, about a half dozen or so, about seven or eight, I think, uh, in Guatemala right now. Um, and they are there encouraging missionaries, uh, supporting the churches over there, just being there as a presence. Um, and I wanted to just share a text message that was sent earlier um, from Pastor Carl. He says, he says this, he says, praise report. So I'm thinking, this is going to be good. I'm like, whoa, yeah, sweet. He says, praise report. I can't even explain to you how treacherous this trip has been. All right. He says, we are driving three hours up into the hills with the most horrific roads and drivers I've ever experienced. He says, I'm driving our diesel stick shift 12 passenger van in roads meant for mopeds. This guy's got jokes today. There are insane bus drivers all over. And by the grace of God, he stopped a bus from a head-on collision with us. This is what he says. He was able to come to a stop about six inches before the collision. I had no option but to stop before I hit a house or drove into a trench. All I could do was slam on the brakes and watch whatever happened that was going to happen. He says, by God's mercy and grace, a collision didn't happen. Things crazy, but quite the adventure. We are thanking Jesus for his protection. So, man, that's crazy. Um, that is a praise report. Um, would you guys mind just praying with me really quick? Father, we... Mm, God, we lift up that team in Guatemala right now. Father, we ask for your complete protection over them. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead them and that you would guide them to the right people, to the right places. I pray that their words and their interactions would be your words and your interactions today. And I even pray in this moment, Father, that you would do something um, amazing through that team. I pray that you would encourage them through them. 
We thank you for Pastor Carl and all he is for this church and this community. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Um, man, my name is David. If we have not had a chance to meet yet, I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Flipside, and it is awesome. My wife is right here. Uh, Sarah, go and stand up really quick so they can see you really quick. This is my wife. Uh, that way, you know, put a face with the name. Yeah, Joe's over there clapping, but also so all you know, dudes know she's taken. That woman's taken right there. Uh, anyway, my kids are out. Uh, they're running around over there in the kids' ministry right now, and we are just so... Um, just honored to be part of this church in this season. Uh, we are excited to get to know you and, and grow with you. Um, and so thanks for letting us in. Now today, uh, just a really quick, I, I, I gotta let you all know that I actually um, have been in education for the last 15 years. So I, I taught primarily in middle school, elementary school, with mainly being a sixth grade teacher. A couple of years ago, I moved into an ed, uh, administration role at, at my elementary school. Um, so I'd like to start, with your permission, with a little geometry lesson. And, you know, you know, they used to have this show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, right? So, are you smarter than a sixth? Actually, it's not, nothing like that. Um, I'd like to start because anytime I started this thing called geometry, I had to make sure that they knew these two types of lines, okay? Now, in geometry, there's... There's a line that looks like this, okay, that, and a line that looks like that. You all know what this is because we're adults and we're big and smart. We have the one that goes up and down. That is a vertical line, okay, right? We have the one that goes from left to right, and that is a horizontal line. And now some of y'all are thinking, this dude's nuts. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is because here at Flipside, we care a whole lot about your vertical connection with God. Man, it is our hope and our prayer that every single one of us, staff, you, the ranchos, those kids over there, every single one of us have a vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to experience the love and the power of, of Jesus in such a, a unique and refreshing way that it's, it's, it, it radically changes your life. But we also care a whole lot about the horizontal connections in your life, meaning the people you're sitting around right now, meaning the people to your left and to your right, the people that you go home with, the people that you work with, the people that maybe uh, their dog barks all night, you know, those type of people, we care a lot about them. And we see that as a common thread throughout scripture, that this is not just flip sides thing. This is actually the heart of God that he cares a whole lot about your vertical relationship with him. He's never gonna stop pursuing you, chasing you, loving you because he wants you. But I believe God's heart actually lies in the horizontal because I believe his heart lights up when he gets to use you in the people around you. We've been walking through this series called Unstoppable, and today I'm, I'm going to just really briefly talk about the unstoppable nature of a, a vertical God and a horizontal God. Uh, earlier this morning, an uh, so, uh, older woman said, hey, last time you said, or last time you preached, you brought this big old balance beam. I don't know if you were there. We had it right here, and you were walking on this balance beam, and she said, I'm excited for what prop 
you have today. There you go. <laughs> um, um, that was plan A, too. Like, I didn't have any other ideas. So anyway, today, my main point as we walk through this series called Unstoppable, as we walk through this series of Acts, my main point is simple. It's this right here. Our God is unstoppable for you. Our God is unstoppable in you. And our God is unstoppable through you. Meaning this, God is unstoppable for you. He's never going to stop chasing you. He's never going to stop pursuing you, never gonna stop loving you. He's never gonna stop going to bat for you because God loves you. He's also never gonna stop working in you. I loved what Dennis said earlier. I don't know, I think he might've left, but Dennis said, he doesn't just make you a better version of you. He actually creates a new person. So he's never gonna stop molding you, shaping your heart, controlling you, disciplining, but creating the most abundant life that you've ever seen. But it's not always about you or me. Sometimes, all times, God is unstoppable through you. Meaning, man, God loves you, but man, he loves the people around you. As a matter of fact, there's this story, John, that, that uh, there's this guy in the, uh, in the Bible. He walked up to Jesus, walked, walked straight up to him. And he said, hey, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? In all the commandments, what's the most important one? Jesus looked him in the eye and said, love God and love others. There is this theme of a vertical relationship and a horizontal calling throughout scripture. And today, I'm gonna be saying that word unstoppable a whole lot. It's kind of hard to say over and over again, but I'm gonna be saying it a lot because that is the series we're in. And unstoppable means that nothing can stop you. I'm gonna say that, I'm gonna say that in the context of God. There is literally nothing on this earth that can ever stop God or his kingdom or his people. Literally nothing can stop them. Me, I'm pretty stoppable. I used to be able to drive up and down Avenue 12 from 41 to 99. I used to do that in like 12 minutes, man, just flying. It's easy. But ever since Judy Donuts walked in over here, I just feel the urge to stop because I'm stoppable. As a matter of fact, I'm joking, but we're all actually, no, I'm not joking. Donuts get me. But I joke, but we're all stoppable. This world is stoppable. There's some of you already stopped your New Year's resolution, man. And maybe you just gotta get back in the gym. I'm gonna encourage you with that. Our world, you know, was shut down a couple years ago. Literally shut down. Hey, kids, you can't come to school because our world is stoppable. But our God, my friends, man, our God is not, he is not stoppable. He is unstoppable. Today, we're gonna be in, Acts chapter 16. The book of Acts is pretty much the history of the earliest believers in Jesus. So if you consider yourself a believer in Jesus, because maybe not everyone here is, if you consider that part of who you are, the book of Acts is literally the, the, the history book of the first people who believed in Jesus in the church. 
And we're gonna see that today. And it's actually gonna be in Acts chapter 16, verses 16. And if you have a Bible or a smartphone, um, I'm just gonna leave this up today. Sometimes we put up the words, but, but I'm gonna leave this up here because the Bible is not some magical book that only we get to hold. You guys have one too. If you don't have it today, just feel free to listen and kick back, but we're gonna be there today. So Father, would you be with us this morning as we read your words? God, would you get me out of the way? May you speak freely through me this morning. Wait, may you give the readers this morning a, an insight and a wisdom that as we read these passages, Father, I just pray that they um, would learn something, but it would uniquely touch them. I pray, Father, that this morning would be good for you and your kingdom and for these people in, this, in these chairs. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Cool. So Acts chapter 16, verse 16, we have the, the way uh, my Bible has it, it has like a subtitle right here, and the title is Paul and Silas in Prison. Paul and Silas in Prison. So I'm, there's a bunch of different ways to preach and teach uh, the Bible. There's, you know, topics and themes. But the purest uh, way to teach Scripture is just to read it line by line. And we're going to do that together this morning. So verse 16 says this. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, and I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to pause because we need to figure out what's going on. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, uh, we... So uh, the people in this story is a guy named Paul, a guy named Silas, and then there was at least two other guys with them. One of them's name was Timothy, a young kid, probably about your age. Well, I didn't mean to say kid, man, my bad, but a younger guy about your age, and then uh, a guy named um, Luke, who actually wrote this book. He's a doctor. So we have Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and they're buddies they're hanging out, and it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer. And so they're walking. It's like they're walking to church. They're walking right down Avenue 12, right past uh, State Foods, and they're coming to Flipside. They're coming to church because they're, they're uh, friends, and they're doing that thing. And this is what happens. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So we have Paul and his gang. They're walking to church, and they meet this girl who we later find out is, is possessed by a demon. Kind of weird stuff, kind of creepy stuff, stuff you only see on, like, on October stuff. But this is happening. They come into contact with this woman, and it says that she's a fortune teller, that she earns a lot of money by doing this. And this is actually kind of common, even kind of common in our day, right? You're driving down the street. Oh, you know, a fortune teller right over here. But in ancient times, it was actually a keystone piece of the culture because like kings, leaders would often go visit a medium or a fortune teller um, and they would say, hey, you know, should I go to war? Should I... Uh, marry the, this girl? Should I do this? Should I do that? And they would pay big bucks for a fortune teller to tell them the answer. 
So that's the setting. They're walking, they meet this girl. Let's keep going. I'm gonna start right here, verse 17. She, the slave girl, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And this is where I come with a couple questions right here, John, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking Paul and his buddies, they're going to church. If you know anything about this guy, Paul, he lived his entire life telling people about Jesus, how he's the way to salvation. And Paul finally has a hype, hype man or hype woman. She ends up, you know, she's possessed and all that, but it's a, no matter what, she's telling the truth. She's speaking, she's, she's following Paul and she's saying, hey, these are guys, these dudes, they're, they're speaking the truth. They are telling you the way to be saved. She's screaming this and they're walking and, and she's, it says she's doing this for many days. And at some point, uh, this is the part where it's kind of funny because it doesn't even say Paul turns and out of love and compassion, casts the demon out of this woman. It says he turns and he's so annoyed that he says, spirit, get out of her. And it immediately happens. I have a question because I'm like, why would you do that? Like you had a cheerleader. (laughs) I don't know, but I, I think I have two thoughts. The first thought is because sometimes um, the world is just annoying. I think that girl was just annoying, you know? I think, I don't care what you're speaking. I don't know, care what you're yelling. If you keep yelling at, like, if, if you follow me around and said, this is David White. He's the most handsome man in the entire universe. For a minute, I'd be like, whoa, thank you. Uh, but if for a few, few days you kept saying that, At some point, I'm going to say, hey, we get it. I'm handsome. I get it. Everyone gets it. We all heard you. I'm trying to talk to people, and and you're screaming at me. So I think it's just annoying. Secondly, this is what I think happened. Paul is seeing this happen, and he's saying, man, we don't need the help of demons. I think Paul was thinking, hey, our God is unstoppable and we don't need support from the world. As a matter of fact, it might even just muddy the water a little bit. And I just gotta pause right here and say this. Some of us, some of us are so worried about, man, if only the world would just come, you know, preach the gospel. If Man, if, if, if Beyonce and Jay-Z, man, if they were Christians, so many people would be saved, you know? And man, if, if, you know, and I love when Justin Bieber, you know, I like Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber sings some worship songs. That's cool. Jay-Z came out with a Jesus album a couple years ago. That's pretty cool. I love it. But we don't have to have the celebrities in Hollywood because our God is unstoppable. Some of you feel, and I just, I didn't even say this in first service, I'm gonna say it right now. Some of you feel like you don't have enough. 
Some of you feel like you're not enough. I'm gonna stop that lie right now. I'm gonna say you are enough because our God is unstoppable for you, in you, but our God is unstoppable through you. Your kids and your family and your friends, they need you. I'm also gonna say this because this is my world. Some of us, and I'm not, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes right now, but I'm gonna say this. Some of you um, say, man, if only our schools would allow prayer, right? If only, the minute they took God out of our public schools is the minute uh, it, you know, messed up. And I get that. I'm, I'm with you. I've been there. I've done that. But I'm going to tell you right now from the front line, our God is still in the public school. As a matter of fact, he is moving in some incredible ways in this season of life. We do not need the schools. We do not need the laws to say, hey, you can pray. Prayer is happening. There are kids coming to Jesus in the midst of classrooms. I meet with a group of teachers every week and we pray. If you're a teacher in this house, you know what I'm talking about. There are people all over our school system who are there on mission. So don't worry. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on the world that we're like, oh, the world is more powerful than our God. Our God is unstoppable. Sorry, I'm gonna get off my little soapbox for a second because we're in the middle of a story. Let's get back to the story. I'm gonna start right here at verse 19. So he's annoyed. He says, spirit, leave this woman. The, the spirit immediately leaves this girl. Verse 19 says this. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and they seized Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates, which is like the leaders of the city. And they said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. These people, they literally are so angry that they grab Paul and Silas, and, and really quick, because some of you are like, well, wasn't there a couple other guys with them? Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke. Paul and Silas looked the most Jewish. So these guys grabbed them. They dragged them in front of the leaders and said, these guys are causing an uproar. And I'm gonna pause right here. Your vertical relationship with God is very important. But your horizontal relationships are incredibly important as well. These guys, these masters of this slave girl, they were so upset about losing money that they didn't even care enough that this woman was set free from something. This, this lady had a demon in her and now she's, it's gone and she's you know, free from that and they're upset. And I gotta let you know, if there's some people in your life who are holding you down and they only want what you give and not who you are, you need to leave those people. I've heard it said that the circle of friends and family that we associate with most of the time, 
man, if they keep you held down, this isn't a circle, this is a prison. I've also heard it said that you become the, um, the average of your five closest friends. Your horizontal relationships are incredibly important. They drag Paul, they drag Silas. They're like, these dudes are crazy. What'd they do? They freed a woman. This is what the crowd does. I'm at verse um, 22. Verse 22 says, the crowd joined them in attacking against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates, the leaders, they ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Man, what'd they do? They set a woman free and they're getting stripped. Their clothes are ripped off. It's public humiliation. They're beaten with rods. They're thrown into prison in the inner cell, which is like, you know, the one on the inside so that you can't escape that easy, I guess. And then it says their foots were put in these, these stocks. And a little bit of research in the Roman jail system, these stocks were not just cute little, you know, like ankle bracelets. These were iron, um, like metal, like prisons for your feet. And they were often stretched so that your legs were stretched out wide. And they were, their, their sole purpose was to make your time absolutely miserable and uncomfortable and and Paul and Silas are going through all of this for what? Because, because this woman was demon-possessed? I don't know about you, man, but if that was me, I'd be like, first of all, I'd be crying, probably. I'd be like licking my wounds and being all sad. And, but I'd also be questioning God. I'd be like, what in the world? I'm with my buddies. We're heading to church. This girl was annoying <laughs> What in the world? I'm trying my best to do your will. I'm trying my best. God, like, why? what are you doing? Like, there's people I went to high school with, and they are not living for you, and they're all thriving and stuff. Man, one of them's got a Tesla. And what? I'm in chains? God, what are you doing? And, I mean, that'd be my initial reaction. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. They did, something, they did something a little different. If you have your Bible, go ahead and just read the next line. It's um, verse 20, let's see, 24, 25, I think. No, 25, verse 25. Read that to yourself. It says, about midnight... So they've been sitting there all afternoon, man, all night. They miss dinner all night. Their feet are, you know, their rashes and they're bleeding from earlier. They've been sitting there all night. This is about midnight. They couldn't sleep and they're singing and they're praying and they're, they're praising God, it says. You guys see that? And it says the other prisoners were listening to them. 
man, this, this is crazy. This reminds me of in the book of James, some of you know this Bible verse, it says, count it pure joy whenever you face trials. They went, they were stripped, they were beaten, they were thrown in prison, all in front of their, you know, their buddies and all these random people, and they were in the prison and they're praising, praising God and they're praying. Now, I, I heard it said, somebody once told me, they said, there was there is a special power in painful praise. And I'm not sure where you're at today. Maybe you're in a season of pain. Maybe this week's been hard. Maybe the holidays were difficult for you. Maybe you're going through something, but I wanna wanna encourage you that there is power in painful praise. Because this is what happened. I'm at verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself um, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, hey, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Um, if it was me, back to me, if it was me, there's, I'm singing, I'm praising God, earthquake, woo, 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 woo. chains fall off, doors are open, I'd be like, whoo, thank you, Lord. That is a sign that I am free and I would be busting my booty all the way to Judy's Donuts and, and just praising God the whole way. But they didn't leave. And it, this ain't no just normal earthquake. Right? And, and this was a, it said a violent earthquake, one that disrupted the foundation. Somehow, the doors flung open. The chains, these things, they fell off. This is not just any normal earthquake. This was a God earthquake. This was an absolute miracle. And when it happened, no one left. Because I think Paul and Silas knew. Hey, There's freedom right there, but I think there's something bigger and something better happening. Even the bad guys didn't leave. The bad guys. Like, I understand Paul and Silas, they're doing their best. They're doing God's will. But the bad guys, the the robber, the killer, the stealer, the, the, the guy who messed up and cheated on his taxes, they're in prison too. And if the good guys aren't leaving, I know for a fact the bad guys are leaving, but even the bad guys, they stuck around. I don't know if you caught it earlier, but when they were singing and praying, and it says that the other prisoners were listening. And I wonder if when all this happened, everyone was just like, something bigger is happening. And this guy over here, the jailer, Looked around, saw everything open, and he's like, oh, I better kill myself. This is why, because they lived in an honor-shame society. That his job was to watch the guy, the, the prisoners, and if they escape, it's his head. 
and to preserve any hint of honor for him or his family, he's just gonna kill himself because he knows that if he's caught, they're gonna drag him, they're gonna beat him, they're gonna strip him, and then uh, they're gonna kill him. And then they're gonna find his family and say, you, your father, your husband, he was a shameful man and the rest of their life, they would have to walk around in shame. So he's like, let me just finish it right now. A miracle happens, Paul does not run. He looks to the left and to the right. And he says, wait, wait, man, don't kill yourself, we're here. We're here. Hey, sometimes when a miracle happens in your life, when something amazing happens, it's not just for you. Hey, maybe sometimes when you're going through pain or when you're going through a difficult time, maybe it's not just for you because God is unstoppable and he's unstoppable for you. He's unstoppable in you, but he is unstoppable stoppable through you. And sometimes we need to stop and say, oh, who, who needs this? The jailer, he's, I can only imagine this scene. He's got this sword. He's about to, you know, I don't know how he's going to do it. He's maybe, you know, go this way or something. Um, but Paul's like, hey, stop. And he's like, what? We're all here. And then this is what he does. It says at verse 29, the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He's on the brink of tears. He's, he almost lost his life. I don't know if you've ever been there. He, 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 was a, he was this close to killing himself, and he runs, and he says, uh, he says this, what must I do? He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. That's it. They didn't say, hey, sign up for this baptism class over here and you know, maybe if you do. They didn't say, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how often you go to church or how well you're doing on your New Year's resolutions, or maybe you, or it, it doesn't matter how many doors you knock on and how many people you bring to Christ or how good your family is. It doesn't matter how much you give to the church. It doesn't. This is the golden question that in the history of the world, we've been trying to answer through religion, through through drugs, through money. What must I do to be saved? And everyone has a different response of what you need to do. But according to this, they say, believe in Jesus. And some of you need to hear that because you constantly think, you're constantly guilty when something goes wrong or you don't attend this workshop or you don't do this or you miss a day or, and I just gotta let you all know, what must you do to be saved? Believe in Jesus. Now, let me clarify something. The moment you believe in Jesus, the moment you experience the love and the power of Jesus Christ in a, in a vertical way, he doesn't stop working in you. 
He does not, he's an unstoppable God working in your life. He will make you and take you and make you better. Your life will radically change when you experience Jesus. That's the sign of a Christian. This dude went from death to life in a moment. Some of you have experienced that. All of us, if you've experienced Jesus, have experienced a death to life. Back to this. He says, what must I do to be saved? They say, believe in Jesus. And then at verse 32, it says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house because they, they went to his house. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, 12 o'clock midnight, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. And then it says this, he and his whole household. So does that mean, man, when, when one person believes in God, does that mean that everyone around them believes in God and they all get a ticket to heaven? No. See, the Bible is very clear that this is an individual decision. God is unstoppable for you, but he's also unstoppable for the people in your house. He's also unstoppable for your neighbors because God is a very much a vertical and a horizontal God. But sometimes it takes only one person to influence and to change the trajectory of a generation of people. Sometimes it takes someone to say, hey, I I surrender, and they invite Jesus into their life, and then all of a sudden, the husband or the kids or maybe the parents or maybe the neighbors, all of a sudden, an entire group of people get their life radically changed through one person. And man, it says that the jailer was full of joy because he came to know God, but also his wife, his kids. The Greek is actually really interesting here. It's this word ponoikai, ponoikai, And it literally means his household, but all things. And I think this is kind of interesting. I didn't say this in first service, but I'll say it right now. I think this is kind of interesting and worth the note because family could mean many things. It literally says all things. I don't know. We never hear of this jailer again. We never hear of his story. There's not a, you know, first jailer book in the Bible. It's like he got his 15 minutes of fame and he's done. We don't hear about him. But I wonder, I wonder if we followed him around for the rest of his life, I wonder how God changed his life. And I wonder how many people, how many people's lives were radically changed through this one guy who when he walked up to them, when he met them, he said, man, I was at the brink of death and then this happened. I wonder what happened with the kids, his wife, his parents. 
I wonder how good and how unstoppable God was through that family. Hey, you know, we never, we never hear about the other prisoners too. The bad guys. Did they just stay? Did they just stay there and, hey, we're here too. Lock me up. I'm a bad I don't know. Did they leave? I don't know what happened, but I wonder. Oh, man, I wonder what happened in their lives. I wonder how God radically transformed them and how he radically changed others' lives through them. How about our slave girl? We never hear of slave girl ever again. And let me quit calling her slave girl because she's a free girl now, right? We never hear of her. We don't come back to her in the book of Revelation. It's not there. But man, can you imagine this, this girl who's been a fortune teller, a slave, go home? Hey, mom, I'm back. Can you imagine her childhood friends? Can you imagine the people who, hey, that was that girl? Because God is unstoppable for you. He's unstoppable in you and he's gonna be unstoppable through you. I wanna say that that slave girl did incredible things for the kingdom of God. We just don't get to see it. And you don't get to see what everything God is doing through you. You don't know how many lives were influenced by you. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're in a position of pain. I don't know if you're in a position where it meant, I need to work on this vertical relationship with God. I don't know if you're sitting in a spot where you're like, maybe your heart's breaking right now for a child of yours or a friend of yours or a loved one. I don't know where you're at, but, but I do know this. Our God is unstoppable for you and for them. He is unstoppable in you and in them. And our God is unstoppable through you. But here's a catch. Some of us are, are resistant. <laughs> There's some of us here who are a little bit resistant with this vertical relationship. Uh, been there, done that. Uh, it's weak. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some of you are resistant for letting God work in you. Maybe there's that thing that just keeps on happening and you know it's wrong, but you're just gonna, it's easy, it's comfortable, it's, it's natural. And so you're resistant to letting God all the way in. And maybe you're resistant in allowing God to work through you. Maybe you feel like I'm speaking to a, a, a wall. Maybe some of you feel like I've been talking to my brother for this long and it's not getting through to him. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your mom. I gotta let you know, God is unstoppable through you and you have to allow that. Don't lose hope. You can't see everything. You might only see the chains on your feet. God doesn't play the short game. He plays the long game. In just a minute, I'm gonna invite you to respond this morning because there's some of us in here who are like, man, I need to work on my relationship, my vertical relationship. 
Some of you in here uh, are gonna say, hey, I, I need a miracle right now. I need an earthquake because something's holding me down. I wanna pray a blessing over those of you this morning. And there's also some of you who need to say, God, I need you to work through me. And I wanna pray a blessing over you. Father, we love you. Man, God, we love you. You are incredible. We praise you, God, that you are unstoppable. And Father, I pray over this group right now in this building, I declare that you would move hearts and minds right now in ways that are supernatural. If you're here this morning and you wanna say yes this morning, if you wanna say yes, I need to work on my vertical relationship with God, I need to say, I need to quit being resistant and allow Jesus into my life. Maybe some of you say, yes, I believe in Jesus. If that's you, I'd like you to stand in three, two, and one. Praise God. Maybe some of you need a miracle this morning. Maybe some of you need the chains to be broken and maybe you need something to happen in your life. And if that's you this morning, then I'm gonna invite you to stand in three, two, and one. Maybe some of you want to look to the left and the right this morning. <laughs> and some of you have been sitting because you're a little worried about what other people think. I'm going to invite you to stand. If you want to stand to say yes to God being in your life, to work in your life or through your life, I'm going to invite the rest of us to stand. If you would like to see God move unstoppable through you, and I'm going to stand for that one. Would you stand in three, two, and one? If you stood up, there was a choir in heaven cheering and praising God for whatever reason you stood. So may you, my friends, may you have a life that has a vertical relationship that is powerful with our Lord. May God continue to work in your life so that you're better today than you were yesterday. But, but may you experience a life of an unstoppable God working through you today. Hmm. Jeff, could we worship?